Welcome to The Sober Effect, a show that looks at the positives of sobriety, the dangers of alcohol and the many people who are affected by it. I'm Kate. And I'm Steph. The ripple effect of alcohol is far-reaching, and those are the stories you'll hear on The Sober Effect. Right, episode six. Kate, we decided we we needed to do one, just the two of us, and kind of tell our stories a little bit, but in a fun way. Um, talk about the effects sobriety has had on us. We're both about 16 months sober now. So we kind of want to go over like the timeline, really, and the different things that we discovered during each month as we moved along because we've known each other through the majority of this journey and Mm -hmm. there's some similarities, but then there's some things that are different. And I think anyone listening to this, no matter where they're at, whether they're new or further along can either relate in some way, or it gives them something to look forward to in some way. So I think this will be a really fun episode. It's quite good. It's been quite nice to have to look back through the first year of sobriety because you kind of forget a lot of things, don't you? Oh, yeah. You focus on the now, you focus on the future. And I think especially when you choose to make a massive change in your life like this, I, for one, have have sort of put to bed a lot of the the negativity surrounding my drinking and I've I've kind of uh, dealt with it and moved on from it so actually having to go back and revisit those first months especially has been really interesting I've really enjoyed it um so yeah I mean I I still can't remember a lot of it I don't I think I've actually done something to my memory because of my drinking I really struggled to remember anything um and even now my memory's definitely a lot better but I had to go on to Instagram and scroll back yeah. and I didn't start that until month three. So it was really, you know, people always say journal, write things down. And I wish I had done Me that. Me too. More. Yes. Yeah. It would have really helped. I know. To go back, especially if you have a wobble and you think, remember, remember, um, which I know pushes a lot of people back to drink because they forget and they think mm-hmm. I could try moderating again, which I know that is clear in my brain that will never be a thing for me I can't do it it's you know there's a line under that but no it's been good to go back through it yeah well I have so I have a couple questions for us to kind of answer to like get us into the start of like where it all began really so I'll let you go first what led up to you deciding to quit and get sober well I think I mean I have drunk pretty much all my adult life. I mean, I have drunk all my adult life. And when you bear in mind the fact that alcohol stays in your system for a good few days after you've drunk, and I only took a few days off, um, I've pretty much had alcohol in me my entire adult life. And I did not have like a rock bottom. I didn't have, I mean, I should have because, you know, I've been arrested. I've been, I've been hit by cars. I've had some really bad accidents and some pretty horrible things happened to me, but they never stopped me. You know, what actually drove me to stop was filming myself drunk the end of another night when I'd had too much wine and I was sobbing 
And it was a cry for help. My mm -hmm. drunk self was basically saying, please stop doing this to my sober self of tomorrow. And I was crying. I was saying, this isn't me. This isn't you. This isn't who we are. Stop it. Please stop doing this to yourself. And no matter how much you hear about alcohol, no matter how many people would have told me, although they didn't, yeah. you should stop drinking, hearing yourself and seeing yourself begging yourself to stop, it hit me and it worked. So that was really, it wasn't a rock bottom, but it was the end of the line. It was, I had so much negativity around alcohol by the end. I was not a happy person. You know, I might have seemed it, but every morning I was waking up with a negative, in a negative frame of mind, not liking myself. And you cannot live a happy life when you start the day like that. Um, what about you? So for me, it was, it was the same. It was kind of like enough was enough. I handle things a little differently though, when it comes to like cries for help, because I'm a very sense of humor person. I like to make light of a situation so people don't realize how serious I am. I mean, I actually was even looking back at old Snapchats that I would send out to people where I would kind of joke around about the fact that, oh, here I am now, it's 10 a.m. and I have to have a Bloody Mary to feel better. Like, that's the level I'm yeah. at. But I was making a joke about it. But then watching it sober, I saw that that was a cry for help. Oh. That was, I was literally calling myself out, but I was making light of it. I was making it a joke. And it really, at the end, was not fun anymore. I had horrible anxiety and I'd suffered with anxiety since I had my first anxiety attack when I was about 25 years old. And now here I was 41 and just chasing that, like just trying to ease my anxiety when all I was doing was fueling it. And then just trying to be healthy. Like I have an autoimmune disease and then also the mental health side of it. I was always wanting to work out and do all these things to take care of my body, but the alcohol had its grips in me. Like you can't stay consistent with working out when you're hungover. You can't stay consistent with eating good because as you know, when you feel like shit, all you want is greasy food to make you yeah. feel better. And so I just, it was just like this combination of things and it just built and built and built. till finally kind of like with you, I had some like quiet time by myself on a vacation, extremely hungover. And just this inner voice took over that was like, we're not doing this anymore. Like we can't keep doing this. And really at the end, I was just trying to keep up with everyone around me too. Like they, they obviously were fine. So it was my problem, right? Like they feel fine. So why, why don't I feel okay? Why, why is it that I always feel anxious and feel sick? And so I kept pushing myself, but yeah, it was like, no, I, I don't need to do this anymore. Like I can't do this to myself anymore. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. And also, I just thought I'm going to have an accident. Something's going to happen. Yeah. And I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life if I don't stop now of my own accord and do this, which means I can be proud of it. Not that you can't if you do have an accident and you decide. But I didn't want that to happen. Mm -hmm. I didn't want someone to get injured or, you know, I... I I just thought this is, it's starting to really scare me. And that's not a word I've used before, but it's so true. I was scared yeah. of what was happening to me. And as you say, those jokes, it's like people going, oh, look, I put wine. There's so many things doing the rounds now about putting wine in the, in the drinks when you go to watch your kids mm -hmm. play sport. 
And it's like you're trying to tell yourself that's okay. Imagine your children watching that when they're 18, 19, 20. They will not find that funny that you were drinking alcohol while you were watching them do gymnastics. You're trying to make it funny to make yourself feel okay. It's just not. Mm -mm. No. And I mean, just things like, oh, liver, you're fine. Shut up. Like things like that. I mean, that's that's where I was. But it's it's not that it's just so sad to look back on and know that that's kind of where my mind was at. So how did you tell people when you decided to get sober? What did that look like? I literally did a kind of Julie Andrews. I'm sober from the top. I knew if you I did, did not. not I, did you really? I basically, I said, I'm going to do this. I told everyone who would listen. I basically told my kids. I said, this is it. I'm not drinking anymore because I knew if I made that commitment and said it, I would have to follow it up. If I sign, I'm not someone who would quietly do it and then say, oh, by the way, I haven't had a drink for a few months because that they wouldn't have stuck. But I knew if I said I am going to do this and I told everyone, especially my children, I wouldn't be able to let them down. And and I they'd be watching. They they live with me, obviously. So it's like, well, they will see. Um, so yeah, I went, this is it. I'm going to try and do this. I didn't say it's forever. I didn't say I'm definitely going to do it. I said, I'm going to try and that's it. And it was the week before Christmas. So it was a tricky one, but I had to tell people, I mean, my husband's sister arrived and, and brought me alcohol as all my Christmas gifts, which I then gave to my husband because I was like, I'm not drinking. It was that close that people didn't have time and they associated me with drinking. So it was it was a weird one. But yeah, I went right straight in. And and yeah, it was like, that's what I'm doing. What? So did you? How did you do it? <laughs> so it's kind of. But you know what I love about both of us <laughs> is that we both decided to get sober, like at the hardest time of the year. Silly season, I think is what you guys call it, like the holiday season. Like that's when I mean. Just looking back, like, do we love a challenge or what? I mean, yeah. come on. But I wasn't, I wasn't singing it. I, I wasn't very confident in it. Not that, that I couldn't do it because I, I had made my mind up way back in November that this was going to happen, but I'm kind of a planner. I'm kind of a researcher. Like I got to like have a solid plan. And it's funny that you said people bought you alcohol for gifts because my dad bought me an advent calendar that was wine bottle like little wine bottles for each day of December yeah, well I hope Christmas. it wasn't full-sized ones no so there was a part of me that I it's actually something that I still work on people pleaser right like I was like I can't not accept this gift he was so proud of this gift like he thought it was so cool he thought it was something that I would love and the old me actually would have really loved that. But now this new mindset of like, I have to stop drinking. So I did drink that little glass of wine every day, but I will say it was all I drank. And for me, that's huge because I was drinking way more than that. When I would drink, I was a binge drinker. So, but it did. That's impressive though. But you know, that's yeah. But looking back, it actually taught me a lot about alcohol because once again, I'm very analytical and I like have to understand. And it what it taught me was I would never be able to be someone who could drink one glass of wine because 
it didn't do what I needed it to do because I forced myself to drink that one glass of wine and the irritability that came after it was extremely uncomfortable. So I proved that to myself, but I told people I was doing try January. Like I, I knew I was doing long haul, but I just didn't have the confidence to have those conversations yet. Because why, why is that though? Because surely you get more support if you tell people. You yeah. I think for me is because everyone around me were was heavy drinkers. And once again, I didn't want to make them uncomfortable. That's how right. I lived my life. I mean, I started drinking at 14 like you, but I always drank to like fit in and to morph and to people please and to put myself my feelings, quiet my feelings down and then be right. able to be a little more extroverted and be what people needed me to be. That was the whole theme through my drinking. And probably why I was very anxious because anxiety is just feelings and things that we don't process. Confrontation is something that I struggle with as well. So it was just, that was all what yeah. it was. It, it that really makes was. sense actually, because I drank for me, I drank for very personal escapism. Mm-hmm. And so for me, my not drinking was for me. So I made sure everyone knew this is what I'm doing and I'm going to need your support. I didn't care how it affected people because I thought this is a good thing. And if people who love me aren't happy, then they don't love me or like me very much, in which case, goodbye. So it kind of does make sense that we both chose those different paths through. And it just goes to show there's so many different ways of doing this, aren't there? Yeah. And Um, it's important to do what feels right for you because as we start talking about sobriety and getting into it that's one of the big things you start learning is honoring who you are because when you were a drinker you were not honoring who you who you were and what you really needed so at least for me that was huge so let's dive into the first like few months okay well the first week actually yeah I remember my sleep was awful Mm. I'm a big sleeper and and I've always been able to go out as soon as my head hits the pillow. I've never had a problem with sleep. Um, But I remember, (laughs) oh yeah. And well, it's true. I actually wasn't getting very good sleep, was I? Mm -hmm. I was, Mm -hmm. but I was out. But I was waking up three or four times a night. I was sweating so much, which I guess was the alcohol coming out of my system um which I and I remember thinking this is so unfair and I do not function well when I'm tired at all I am so irritable and I just need sleep to to function and I remember thinking this is so unfair I'm doing something good why Mm -hmm. am I being rewarded being tired and waking up feeling gross and but I but uh, I changed my mindset and I remember thinking because on about day five or six, it stopped. And I remember thinking, this is all the crap coming out of my body. This is all the stuff I don't want in my body. Let it come out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to enjoy this process because yeah. I'm not putting anything in. And I guess it's like all addictions. You can taper yourself off. You can go cold turkey, which is what I did. And actually, that's what happens. Because even if you're drinking a few days a week and you stop, alcohol still affects you so much that you will go through some level of withdrawal if you stop, which is what the cravings are. They're like, give me more, give me more, whether Mm -hmm. that's needing sugar. But I remember feeling pretty ropey for it. Definitely the first four or five days were not good at all. Do you remember the first week? Um, I do. I... I slept really good, Um, but 
you know, <laughs> but what you, but like, let's think about this though. I, we, I actually weaned myself off. That's not what my intention was, oh, but so now this, yeah. Listening to what you said, yeah. you went from like heavy drinking to not at all where I weaned myself yeah. off for that whole month. So that maybe that's why I slept so yeah. good. Um, yeah, I was sleeping really good, but I was sleeping a lot and that was a little alarming. Cause I'm like, God, why am I so tired? I should have all this energy. But like you, I changed my mindset. I said, I haven't been getting quality sleep for how many years? I mean, like, yeah. let's think about this. My body is finally getting the break it needs. Cause I think they say it takes eight days for alcohol to completely okay. leave the system. So that would make sense why you felt that way, you know, in that yeah. first week. But you know, my first week I had like a huge life event happened. My aunt passed away unexpectedly on New Year's Eve. I was a week in sober and that was already a day that I was trying to like not drink because it's New Year's. Like we stayed in, we just decided to like have a dinner and just watch movies. And then I got a phone call about that. It was really the first time I had to challenge my emotions without alcohol. And first time. And it's in the first week. In the first week. Mm. It was, it was rough, but I knew I needed to, I knew what I needed to do because I had, like I said, taken since November, plenty of time to research and understand, you know, why I was drinking. Cause I think that's huge. And I think you would agree. I mean, we really have to understand why we were drinking if we're ever going to get past the triggers and learn how to work through them in a healthy way. So it was my first big challenge. And yeah. So it's, it's kind of having that added in, it's really hard to say exactly like what emotions I was feeling because then yeah. here was this heavy emotion of grief that was added in there. But I mean, I got through it and I feel like it was the first time I grieved someone in a healthy way because I actually let myself cry. I didn't, cause I was always someone who fought crying. Cause I was like, I gotta be strong. Like I gotta be strong. So, because if I cry, that might make someone else cry. That might make someone else really uncomfortable. I mean, that's so crazy. Like that's how my mind yeah. was. It, uh, it's definitely a challenge. Oh, that's, sure. that's hard. I mean, I've still not gone through any serious life event, um, a negative one mm-hmm. sober. And I'm really worried about it because I've always said since day one, my hardest challenge will be getting through something that is really emotional without drinking. Um, But I'm, you know, I get stronger and stronger every month. This is who I am now. That's tough. And that's really impressive, especially when your body is going through Mm. this change, because some people would think a little bottle of wine every night is a lot. So the fact we're going, oh, I tapered myself off. That's still drinking every day. Your body will still have been craving Mm -hmm. and going through those changes. I mean, when I got past a week, I remember sleep. I was asleep all the time, literally Mm -hmm. like a newborn baby. They sleep for about 18 hours a day. And I was probably equaling that amount. I was literally exhausted. And I found it fascinating, if I'm honest. I just thought, why am I tired? Because I've stopped drinking. doesn't make sense. It's not like I've been on a week-long bender and I'm stopping and mm-hmm. I'm literally tired because I haven't slept. But I'm am I tired because I've been drinking for 20 years? Right. Or what? I, it didn't make sense to me, but it was probably my body trying to recalibrate and work out what's going on here. And you sleep, don't you, to regenerate, mm-hmm. to work it out. When your body doesn't understand something, you're tired because it needs to try and figure it out. And I just remember saying, I'm going for another nap. And actually... Everyone was really supportive because 
they, they were kind of amazed I was doing this, quite frankly. And also it was Christmas, New Year. People get drunk and fall asleep all the time. So actually I could just sneak <laughs> off. But it was, no one noticed it was you were gone. Yeah, no one did realise. Um, <laughs> they probably thought, oh, the sober person's left. Let's, let's quickly guzzle more wine. But sleep is still a problem for me in that I sleep too much. Mm. Um, and I don't know why. It's a lot less now, but the, the whole year is is scattered with me sleeping. You're someone who works really hard throughout your day. So it's probably just you didn't realize how much sleep you actually needed. Some people just need more sleep than others. And that just might be who you are. But how did I manage to not get tired when I was drinking? Uh, this doesn't make sense to mm-hmm. me. Why am I more tired mm-hmm. not drinking mm-hmm. than I was when I was dealing with the effects of having drunk the night before? I don't get it. Maybe there's a doctor listening who can explain it, but yeah. I certainly don't understand. I think my first month, if I had to sum it up, would be lots of baths, lots of self-care, lots of treats to myself. Every time I hit a week, I would get myself something because I'd saved, you know, a hundred pounds on wine and I would buy myself something for, you know, 20 pounds or whatever. And and just say, I've, I've got something physical in front of me. I would just focus on getting through that one day. If I got a craving, I would go for a walk. I would have, as I said, loads of baths, sleeping. I would eat, it was eating more healthy. And it was really just a plodding along, make it through another day. Don't worry about seeing people. I did not go out. I just stayed in and thought, I'm not drinking tonight. I will binge watch Netflix if I have to. I'm just not going to drink. Oh my gosh. I couldn't have been more opposite. <laughs> really? This is so interesting. We've never had this discussion, have I we? I know. I know. I thought we might say, yes, yeah, same, same. So I was still trying to just live my life. Like, once again, people pleasing. I um, And I actually was more... You know, some drinkers kind of hide how much they're drinking. I was like the opposite. I was kind of trying to pretend I was still drinking. Like I would make drinks that looked like alcoholic drinks. And so I just, I was very much avoiding the conversation with people. And I don't know if it was my, I think it was a combination of my lack of confidence in myself. And once again, just, I don't want to have the, I don't want to have this uncomfortable conversation yet. I just wasn't ready. And so I told people I was doing dry January, then February rolled around. And there was a few people that were close to me that I told, like, I actually like had like a lunch with one of my friends and I was like, and she was like one of my big drinking friends. And I like sat her down and I told her like, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. And I mean, she was, she was happy for me. Um, She was a little confused. I think a lot of people didn't think I had a problem. And I think that was probably my hardest hurdle. Mm, is because you could spend a lot of energy trying to convince people that you had a drinking problem. But when they were drinking the same as you or maybe more, it's almost like you're pointing your finger at them. It's really hard, really hard conversation to have. Yeah. And so things got awkward quick with my friend group. I will say it got awkward really quick. And it was really it got those first few months, it just got harder and harder for me to to keep saying, oh, no, it's fine. You guys drink. Like, I can hang out. I can go to happy hour still. I'll just have a soda or whatever. And it was abandoning myself and my sobriety yeah. every yeah. single time I did that. 
I'm putting them first because putting them you first. didn't want to go to happy hour. You didn't want to go no. sit in a pub in happy hour. No, it was for them. It was for, you know, they're like, I don't want to like lose your friendship. And it's like, they quickly started to not invite me as often because they realized I wasn't enabling their behavior anymore. And that was all. And you start having these realizations that that's all you were really there for with a lot of relationships was to enable and to pour some more wine in their bottle or in their glass or, you know, whatever it may be. That's what the relationship was based on. And it's really hard realization. And it can be really sad because some of these people you really thought were good friends. I've had friendships that are based on drinks and and knowing that person, whatever the time of the day, whenever I turn up, they'll open a bottle of wine with me. They'll be up for it. Yeah. And then you find things in common because quite frankly, you're just sitting there having a drink and you'll chat about anything because it's company to enable you to drink, but they're not real friendships, are they? No. And 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 I think a lot. Yeah. And I think a lot of the conversations that you have are the type that are very negative. There's this thing about just like zeroing in on other people's problems to distract from your own, which was just a whole nother thing that I would do. And so something I have like no interest in anymore. So then those aren't the people that I'm calling to go have lunch with because I, I'm not interested in those yeah. conversations and, and things like that anymore. It just doesn't fill my soul. Yeah. I need things to fill my soul. They're not real friendships. And actually, that's just another thing that you're missing from real life, those real connections with people who genuinely add value to your life. You don't get that from your drinking buddies. You really don't. No. If you're not going to meet someone for a coffee and a walk instead of a drink in a bar, are they really good friends? It's a good question to ask, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think for me, you know, month two and three were kind of merged together. I started wondering who I was. Mm-hmm. I'd done a whole month without drinking. I thought, what am I going to do? Who am I going to hang around with? I was hibernating. I was getting into different routines. I was cleaning my face and getting into my pajamas before bed. I was waking up, liking myself, not having to check my mm-hmm. phone. I set up my Instagram account on month month three and realized I had to really look inwards. And I think those those second and third months were quite reflective for me. I still wasn't going out, but I thought, right, this is about more than not drinking. I've managed to show I can not drink, but then for the next sort of eight weeks, it was very much like, what do I do now? Who am I? I actually don't know who I am. I've never been a person who's just gone through a day without looking forward to sort of 6 p.m. drinks. And that was a really weird time And I was just sort of floating through the days and noticing myself almost like an outsider would. Did you find that as well? Because that's, you did. Yeah, I did. It was, I mean, day 99. So it was about three months when I started my Instagram. And that very first post pretty much is everything you just said. I was like, I'm here because I don't know who I am. I mean, this is stuff sober is my handle because- I wanted to, you know, document figuring out who I really was and it's scary and it's like really uncomfortable. And so what was your first post? It basically just said, cause I was looking 
for community at that point because I had realized these people that were my drinking friends, like as much as I was trying to hold on to those relationships, I, I was in a room with people, but I never felt so alone in my entire life. Like Mm -hmm. I had my birthday is April 16th and I had all of them go to dinner with me and I had never felt so alone at a birthday dinner in my entire life. Everyone was ordering, ordering drinks. I wasn't when they would do the count for the next round, I wasn't included. It was, I, it sounds so small, but when that's part of your identity and part of who you were all your adult life, it's huge. It's a huge, like eye opening wake up call to that life is different now. There's no going back. And that is what my first post was about. Like, I'm here to figure out who I am. I'm here for community. And like, and there were so many people like instantly followed me, reached out to me. And I just finally felt like, Ooh, okay. I can keep going. Cause at that point it was white knuckle baby. Mm -hmm. I was like, Mm -hmm. what do I do? Like, I can't keep up with this. Like I'm going to break. I'm going to be like, if you can't beat them, join them. And I'm going to go back to drinking. And I seriously, Instagram saved me from that. It's interesting that we both joined Instagram on a hundred days within a day of each other, isn't it? Because that's exactly how I felt. My first post says I am my biggest ally. And it was a realization that I needed to be my biggest fan. I needed to do this for me, but I also needed support. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I said. I didn't show my face for a good few months, I don't think. But I just sort of said, and as you say, a few people immediately reached out, followed me, said, well done. And I got that instant support that I needed because I don't think either of us did AA. And it was like, well, I'm lost. What do I do? I need something more. Like I said, I shouted about it. And I thought, if that stops, if that momentum stops, I'm going to go backwards. I need to find another way. And I found it on Instagram. It, I agree. It completely saved me. It got me to where I am today, without a doubt. It's so funny that we both reached that point at exactly yeah. the same time where we yeah. thought, I need more. I need to expand for whatever reason. Me, because I was here on my own and I didn't have a support group. You, because you lost your old support group. Mm-hmm. And we thought, let's look online and let's find a way. I wonder how many other people reached exactly that milestone and thought. Yeah. And people who aren't quite there yet, <laughs> who are feeling lost right now, take note. You break through at that point. It takes you to another level. And it, it takes you to other people who everyone has such a different experience that it means you will find someone. Oh, yeah. Who, You'll find lots of people who understand you and who will listen to you, but you'll also find lots of other stories that you will relate to. Mm -hmm. And that feeling of not being on your own and having this army of other people in the same situation as you is euphoric. It is like, oh my gosh, this is what I needed. Right, month four. Now, I think month four was a big one for you, wasn't it? Month four leading into five was when like I shed that old person. And I physically felt it. I remember it It hit me one day in the shower that my old life that I was trying to hold on to, right? I knew it was gone. I knew it was gone. And I cried and I cried and I cried like a baby in the shower and just thought, I have to mourn this old version of myself before I can move forward. Like, 
I have, this is like in the theme of feeling my feelings. I have to do this. It's very important. And I need people. I say this because I want people to understand that sometimes people don't want to be sad about that, or they don't want to face the fact that that old version is going away. They're trying to hang on to it, but you can't move forward until you let that go and honor it and thank thank that person. Like I think that person still to this day, because she's the one that had to get me sober, right? She's the one that had to pull herself up by her bootstrap and do the hard shit in the beginning to get me to where now I can be my real self and enjoy who I really am. And so I didn't post very much around that time. To be honest, I would post some stuff, but I was really doing a lot of inner work. There was a lot of beliefs that were instilled in me from a very young age that alcohol fueled in in making that like truth. But it wasn't my truth. It was everyone else's truth. And it wasn't what I really believed in. And so I was living a life not in alignment with my heart. And so mm-hmm. it was, I mean, I get emotional still like thinking about it and talking about it, but it was, it was a necessary time, but it was a really hard time for me. But when I came out on that other side, it was like, watch out world. <laughs> she found her power. She found herself. That's very emotional. My month four was I'm bored. So we can move <laughs> swiftly on. <laughs> no, I think, but but honestly, I that has made me feel emotional because I think I went through that and it wasn't such a smack in the face. Like it happened and I was in the shower and I remember it hitting mm. me. It wasn't like that for me. Um, I sort of knew from the beginning that was gone. And I, I still really miss the old me because I was really good fun. And I remember the excitement of wanting to go out, looking forward to going out, being the one that people wanted to come out with them, being the one who, you know, all, all the fun stuff before I hit that point of no return and it wasn't fun anymore. And, you know, if only life could be the, the bits you can pick and choose, but it isn't. Alcohol is not like that. And I think that's a reality I had to accept you know, you chase those few moments, those tiny percents, and I am literally talking three or four percent of drinking that's fun. And you look at all the other stuff, the bad sleep, the one you've drunk too much, you know, you've drunk too much, your eyes start going, start slurring, all the bad things that happen the next morning, the next day, it's such a small percent that was actually that fun. We choose to remember that. But I still miss that tiny percent. And I still get jealous when I go and I see groups of friends sitting outside in a pub in the sun and they're laughing. They're clearly a bit tipsy. I feel my heart feels I yearn for that. I loved Mm. it. Um, But it really lasts for about a minute. And I can deal with that because and I don't have to remind myself of all the bad stuff. I, I go, I really miss that. I really enjoyed that. And a minute later, I'm focusing on what I'm going to have for lunch. It really does go. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important if you're starting off to realize that it changes. It doesn't always, you don't walk around the rest of your life missing alcohol because you start to see the differences. And by month four, I was really seeing the differences. My face had completely Mm -hmm. changed. I started losing weight around month four. I thought I would 
month one, month two, month three. And for some reason I didn't. And I think I read somewhere that you kind of retain water sure. and as your body changes. But suddenly it dropped off around that time, which was so great because I was getting a bit bored because I hadn't found new things to fill my time with. Um, and then I thought, look at me, I'm losing weight and I'm not doing any exercise. I look so much better. People are commenting on how I look and all I've done is not drink. And that was, you know, when babies start growing and you start getting a bit bored of the age and you're like, yeah. can they grow some teeth or can they learn to speak or something? Can't they walk yet? They just, when you're starting to go, I'm kind of bored of this, something new happens. Yeah. Like they learn to crawl or say mama or something. Right. It was a bit like that. I suddenly lost weight or I suddenly looked better. Or I suddenly started sleeping amazingly and having these incredible dreams. And that sobriety has given me that and it has mm-hmm. kept giving me that. And and I will always be grateful for that. Yeah. But my month four was pretty boring. Apart from the weight loss, that was pretty much it. For yeah. Me. When I, I started working out around, well, I started working out in January, but I actually like hired a trainer and invested all my booze bucks in a trainer. I'm very grateful for my trainer and my exercise program, my strength training program, because I needed confidence. I had zero confidence because I was using alcohol as false confidence all the time. So when you took that away, I was like, you stripped me down. I didn't realize at the time I wanted to strength train, obviously, for the physical part of it, because I wanted to get strong. And I knew I was in my 40s and I wanted to build muscle and bone and all of that. The mental part of it, I didn't realize how much it was going to do for that. There's something about the mental part of consistency and sticking to that that just really helped my sobriety. It's like I I couldn't have the strength training without my sobriety and I couldn't have my sobriety without the strength training like they just intertwined I have joined a gym recently and I and swimming is good because as I do the lengths you know I used to drink to quieten my brain and now I I swim and I go one 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 two 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 as Mm -hmm, I go back mm -hmm. and forth and I don't allow myself to do anything other than count right which is incredibly boring but it means I completely shut down it shuts off your brain exercise shuts off your brain because same with me when I'm strength training, I have to count my reps and I have a busy mind. We've talked about that. Like you have yeah. a busy mind. I, my mind never stops, but when I'm working out, it stops. And putting, putting radio on a podcast. I mean, yeah. that's actually something we haven't mentioned, but in the first three months, podcasts were a mm-hmm. huge part. Everything around me had to be like, I needed to read about sobriety. I needed yes. to hear about it. It needed to be constant, not constant. I had a job and I had family. I didn't constantly talk about it, but Every day I needed a dose of wisdom or information around sobriety to keep me going, to say, no, you're doing the right thing. Yep. So I did. And, and that, I think that's one of the reasons we started this podcast, yes. isn't it, Steph? Because we know how much they helped us. Just listening, just when you're having a bath or going for a walk, just hearing people talk about sobriety in a positive way. And it really clicks into place and it strengthens your resolve. Right. We've got to, we've got to move on. Month five, I went on my first holiday, month five, my first sober holiday. Me too. Oh my, (laughs) Steph, you're just copying me now for effect. Yeah, month five, and I was nervous about it. Were you? Mm, Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I I knew I wasn't going to drink. Yeah. I I was definitely confident in that, but it was like, what am I going to do though? Because we went on a beach vacation 
I've yeah. never been to the beach without getting completely day drunk and yeah. stumbling around. So, yeah. Yeah, I went to Spain as well and had an apartment with a pool and it was a real eye-opener. I had no idea how much I'd been missing out on by constantly thinking, Oh yeah, I've got to go somewhere where I don't have to drive. I've got to go somewhere that sells alcohol, where the kids can be entertained. And actually, I was making all these decisions based on my drinking rather Mm -hmm. than I'm on holiday. Where can we go? What do we want to do? What do they want to do? And when you take that out, you suddenly have a real holiday where you can relax and you come back. I mean, that's the biggest thing. I came back properly relaxed. Yeah, it's never happened before. This is what a vacation is supposed to be. I get it. So you come back and you feel rejuvenated because I don't know about you, but I remember coming back from vacations and literally saying to people, I need a vacation from my vacation because I was so tired and hungover and just felt like crap. And I, yeah, rejuvenated and I just felt like my time was spent making memories. Exactly. Memories. My daughter actually hung out. I hung out with her. I mean, I think about times where it was like, mom, come, come get in the pool or mom, come get in the water. And I'm like, I have my drink. I'll be there in a little bit. And ew. And so this time it was like, (laughs) mom, come get in the ocean. I'm like, okay, let's go. Dive bombing. And yeah, yeah. it's just, and it's also, you shouldn't have to recover from something that you enjoy. I mean, that's something that literally it's like when you go out and you have a good night and you're recovering from it, these things don't go together. Mm-hmm. Something that is enjoyable and that you have fun doing like a holiday shouldn't have to recover from it. it, it there's a clue there, isn't there? Right. Something's not right. It, you should come back and it should have been amazing. It should be something you want to remember. It should be something you want to talk about, relive, go again, not mm-hmm. something you recover from. You recover from things that are traumatic, don't right. you? Right. Or that are draining. You don't recover from nice experiences. Mm-hmm. So the whole recovery, and that includes going out for one evening, not on a holiday, the fact you have to recover from it, you've got to ask yourself, yeah, maybe that isn't so good for me because yeah. look at me now. I think the holiday was a great one and it was it was surprising. And I, again, felt this huge sense of pride that I had done it. And there were some amazing um, lemon alcohol-free beers in Spain that we don't Mm. get in England and that really spiked my interest for drinking alcohol free stuff because I really wanted something in my hand and because I didn't drink beer when I was a drinker it was not triggering at all I found it really thirst quenching I felt like I was also partaking in an adult drink I sound about 80 saying partaking but you know what I mean and I drank this stuff and it was really good and I had a couple and and I went to bed and I woke up and I was fresh and The pride by this point was growing and growing and growing. All that anxiety, all that shame was getting further in the distance, like driving along a motorway and you you can't really see the reflection anymore, Mm -hmm. but you can clearly see what's ahead. And it, it was that, I felt like that was a huge step for me. I was really getting into a new zone. I had properly said goodbye to the wine. 
Thank you for listening and we really hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, we're just two women from opposite sides of the pond wanting to bring awareness around the negative effects of alcohol. We are not licensed therapists or doctors. If alcohol is causing any mental or physical health issues, please seek professional help. Please be sure to give us a follow so you don't miss future episodes. If you think our podcast could help someone you know, please be sure to share it. Also, leaving a five-star review will help The Sober Effect reach more people like you. The music for this show was produced and recorded by Pearl and Thumbelina Jim of the wonderful Charm Jar Music. More information can be found in our show notes. 